the music. The kids are dismissed. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Let's go there. I believe the Lord was glorified. Praise the Lord. <laughs> My heart was in the right place. I just could not hear the music. All right, let's look at Acts chapter 17. I'm getting there in the book of Acts. We'll continue our theme, refocus for the year, of course. This is our theme for the year. But Acts 17, verse 31 to verse 33, let's see what the Lord has for us today here. It says, because he had appointed a day in that which he will judge the world in righteousness by that men whom he had ordained, wherefore he had given assurance unto all men, and that he had risen him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, we will hear this, uh, hear thee again on this matter. And Paul departed from among them. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, our truth is these words. It was true in the time of Paul. It's true today. When we sometimes, Lord, tell others about you, they make mockery of us. They laugh, they mock, they even curse you, Lord. But, Lord, we keep going because some will listen. I have listened. People here listened. And many others will. And we will continue to tell others about you until you take us home. But Lord, I just pray if there's someone on social media, someone here this morning that never received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, may today they call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we're talking about the mind. We're going to continue about talking about the mind on Sunday mornings for uh, several more weeks. Uh, but what is in my mind? That's the the theme. I'm um, not the theme, but the the, the series that, go, go, that is going on. We have I'm going on right now. But the theme is refocus. We need to refocus. And I think if we're going to refocus, we need to need to look in our mind and refocus our mind to what is important. So uh, refocus is our theme for the year. The, the, the series going on is what is in my mind. So this morning is, is the contentious, contentious mind. So several years ago, several years back, I used to work for a company by the name of Artvac Corporation. That company is up in Lincoln. It's just up the street from the Lincoln Mall, if you're familiar with that area there. Actually, it's about two minutes from there. So I worked there for about 14, I think, like, to be, to be honest with you, about probably a solid 15 years. Uh, I started there doing things. I became a manager there, and I left for the present, present job that I have. Actually, I work in both jobs at one time. Uh, yeah, I was working, uh, um, first of all, uh, full-time. I was working uh, eight hours and eight hours and 16 hours a day. Then I cut it to a part-time on this particular job and work a full-time in the other job. But I worked there for many years. So I made many friends there. I had a great relationship with... Uh, the owner of the company, actually, the owner of the company became a good, good friend of mine. Uh, so it is a place that still holds something special to me. It was more just a workplace. Uh, it, it was a small place. We were about, I believe, 28 people, and we knew each other very well because it was a small company. There, but we, the years that I worked there, uh, I enjoy working there, to be honest with you. It's not something you say, you enjoy going to work. No, I Listen, we have to work, you know, if it's not one place or another place. But I wonderful, and when you work in a place and you get along with everybody, 
you know. I work in a place right now, you don't get along with everybody. Oh, well, uh, uh, most everybody don't get along with you. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Because I try to get along with people, you know. So it was a place, that, like I said, still holds a place in my heart uh, to this day. So the owner was a Jewish man, and on which I had a great relationship with him. Uh, he used to go to the synagogue with his family. So he was more than just my boss. Uh, he was a friend. I'm actually, when Joseph was born, uh, his wife and, and, and him came to the hospital to see my wife there, uh, which was a blessing. They even bought him a gift and all that. So you could see it was more than just a, you know, somebody you work for. So they, but they, it was a, in a good place. I look forward. And I think that if I even call him today, uh, that would, they were, even if I walk there, they would just be all happy, you know, you know, because I still know the people that work there. So, but there was an old man there, you know. Not everything was roses there, okay? His name was Donald, and he, he, we used to call him Don. That was his name. He was known by his nickname, uh, Don. So actually, uh, when I left the company, he was 71 years old and was still working a full-time job. So there was uh, something about this man, Don, that I want to share with you this morning. Uh, I go back to his childhood because I, I, he told me that. So he was abandoned uh, by his mother, uh, and he was raised by the state of Rhode Island. So, and he was there until he was an adult. Uh, he went from home to home. Uh, he was a foster, a foster kid, so he went home to home. And uh, instead of being thankful for somebody to actually feed him and give him shelter, he became very bitter and very angry man. Not an easy person to deal with, to be honest with you. So he was hard to talk with. Uh, he would snap at you very quick. Uh, he had his own ways, and he, when you approach him, you always had to be cautious how you approach him because he was not an easy person, like I said, to deal with. So I remember one, one time the Lord gave me the opportunity to witness to him. And, of course, I was not going to give that opportunity away. The Lord gave it to you, and you use it. And, uh, and before I even went so far, and with this smirky smile in his face, I still remember that. Uh, and with a burst of anger, he looked at me and said these words. I, I still remember those words. Listen to me well. I don't believe in any gods. I am my own God. And he walked away. The Lord gave me an opportunity to witness to him. And that's what I got. As he passes, that's discouraging. No. I didn't stop witnessing the people because of that. I mean, that's his choice. Right? You just a messenger. They're the recipients. I had people that witnessed to me in the workplace and other places, and I never, well, you know, I actually one time I made the messenger cry. He said, Pastor, you did that? I did, in a workplace. He came to me to witness to me, and I got really hard on him. I didn't yell at him hard. I made the guy cry. He cried, and he was so devastated, he clocked and went home that day. I thought he quit, to be honest with you. And I look at my guy that worked next to me. I said, oh, I think I got that one to go home. And I think he quit. The other one looked at me and said, I don't think it was nice. But at those days... But then, but there was a time that I received Jesus as my Savior. Somebody came to me. So, you see, we, we, I want you to understand this. Some, we can come to the conclusion and say, 
I don't witness that person anymore because they just don't listen. People do change. You might talk with somebody today, you reject. A month from now, circumstances changes, and they will listen. My dad is an example of that. You said about your sister. My dad, oh, 11 years, I prayed for him. But it was on there. One day he was broken. He knew he was going to die. And that was a day that he wanted to make peace with God. So we never know. I made peace with God too. So the question for you this, this morning is, can such a man with such a hard heart ever receive Jesus as Savior? Can such a man allow his hard heart to soften and to become tender and get saved? Some of you may be thinking, oh, it's impossible to talk with people like that about the Lord. They just don't listen. They just don't care. The answer is, yes, they can change. Yes, maybe they, ne they will never change. I don't know, but God knows. What I know is that everybody has a conscience. And everybody had to make a conscious decision about Jesus. This man, Donald, was cold and a hard man, but he still had to make a conscious decision about Jesus. Keep in mind here that this morning that God is the one who does the saving, not us. You cannot save anyone. We are just the messengers of the gospel. When Jesus said, go throughout the world and preach the gospel to every creature, what he was telling you, go and preach, that's it. He didn't say to you, go and save. He said to you, go and preach. So we are the messengers. We are ambassadors of the gospel. We represent Christ on earth. So we go and tell, but we're not the ones who does the, do the savior, saving. So, uh, so keep in mind uh, here this morning that God is the one who does the saving. We're just the messengers of the gospel. Keep in mind also that the Bible says there is nothing impossible with God. There's nothing impossible with God. Look at you. Think about yourself. Where were you before God say, you got saved? You were an impossible case. But God says, look at you now. You're not impossible. I can change you. And God did. Some of you grew up in Christian homes. I did not. I didn't have a Bible around me. My mom and dad never, taught, never took me to a Bible-believing church. So, folks, as, uh, as hard as it, is, as it seemed to be, as impossible as it may seem, let me remind you that all of us have a conscience, even this Michael worker Donald. Anybody have the potential to think and to make decisions. Everybody will come to a point in their lives on, on, what they, on which they have to make a decision about Jesus. I don't see this man, I don't see this man Donald, for many years now. I don't see, I don't even know if he's still alive, 71 years old. I don't know if he's still alive. I don't know if he ever, if he ever received Jesus as Savior. I have no idea. Now, my message this morning is to remind us that everybody have a conscience, and everybody have a conscious, uh, 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 conscious mind, so, and that nothing is impossible with God. So, folks, there is hope for every person. There's hope for every person. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing even to, to the dividing and sound of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we can see that the word of God penetrates a person's heart. Listen, you ever seen yesterday, the lady said to me, when I came in the back and took care of this lady, uh, the, the mother, the other one, we they start quoting scripture to, the, to, to, to her. Is that what happened? 
And you know what? And you can see the change. You know why? Because God's word is powerful. It penetrates a person's heart. Sometimes, you know what? Stop arguing and just quote scripture. See how important it is to memorize scripture? God says this, this, and to deal with it. That's not my word. It's God's word. Because sometimes, you know, I, I came to a point yesterday. I said, you know, it's not worth arguing anymore. We, we're going to be here until tomorrow. You cannot convince me of what you're saying. I'll just not get, I won't give in. So, folks, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul, in our text this morning, stands to preach in the midst of, of a, a, a pagan altars in Mars Hill. He is fully aware that there is, a, uh, there, that there is about one thing that can break through the hardness of men's heart, and is to bring and to change their mind, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If something is going to change the minds of people, it has to be the gospel. Sometimes we, we get into doctrinal issues, and we have to stop and say, oh, oh, oh one second. These people need the gospel before we I, I, I talk with them about, about doctrine here. Oh, I have a kid, a, a kid. He's not a kid. He's a young man. Uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I forget his name right now. Um, Bob. And he calls himself atheist. By the way, I don't believe in atheism. I don't believe in such thing. I think what it is is rebellious. That's what it is. And this young man comes with this intellectual questions. But you know what? I answer him and give him the gospel at the same time. Because that's what he needs. And not just, you know, like, you know, I'll give you some things, so knowledge, you need more than knowledge, you need, the Bible says knowledge profit up, they need the gospel. So, let's look at the subject, the uh, uh, conscientious mind, from several points this morning. Number one, God's words declare an inescapable reckoning. So for, the, for, for sure, God creates us, uh, us with a free, uh, with a gift of free will. Well, this can be a, a, a very hard topic. Do you believe in free will? I didn't make you come here this morning. You came on your own. That means you had a free will to choose. Uh, <laughs> we have a lady right here that her cat went for a walk in the woods. I, we believe so. But she made a conscious decision to come to the house of God this morning and trust the Lord that the cat will come back home. And I told her, I said, there was a, uh, when I was in Portugal, the, the, the people next door to us, which is my brother-in-law's brother, uh, the lady lost the cat for six days. And six days later, here comes the cat. <laughs> she thought the cat was gone bye-bye. And she comes and said, my cat just show up at the door. <laughs> Somebody says to me one time, if you feed a cat, you own the cat. Is that how it is? <laughs> so, so I understand uh, this is a free will is a hard thing for Calvinists or hyper-Calvinists. They don't believe in such a thing as free will. I feel bad for them. I really do. How can you be so blind for not seeing that you are making the choice to even believe in such a doc doctrine? No one gets saved as a Calvinist. How about a person get saved? He believes in the gospel. He opens his heart and believes, repents of his sin. There's no such thing there. Oh, oh, God made me get saved because, you know, before the foundation of the, of the world, God already knew I was going to get They don't even know. How many people I led to Christ that they have no idea of such thing as Calvinism? But they do preach that, and I feel sad for those people. Can you go and say that you don't believe in free will? Right. We all have a free will. We all have, a, we all have our free will to do what we want to do. Right. Every person on the face of the earth has the power 
given by God to choose what they want, what, 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 uh, what they desire, even the road on which they will walk up upon in their journey of life. Listen, we live, we live in a day and age that say, I can't help myself. I'm just, I, I, I'm just, I feel sorry for myself because I can't control by putting the alcohol in my mouth. No, you can't control what goes on in your mouth. Anything that you put in your mouth, nobody's forcing you, you're doing it in yourself. Exactly. Let's put it this way. This morning, I have a great craving, honest with you. I wanted a donut so bad and a coffee when I already had one. And I went to the box, and I, I'm telling you, Robert, you didn't put that donut in my mouth. You did not. You know what I did? Mm, I, oh, goodness, it's so hard. I, I, it was hard, but I walked away. And you know what? Out of sight, out of mind, the craving went away. You see, every, every person have a self-will. People can make the choice to allow their childhood to mold them to become bitter, evil, cold people. As a case of my co-worker, Don. He allowed all that. Instead of he said, thank, praise the Lord for the people that willingly opened their doors, fed me, took, took care of me. No, he did not. I tell you what, he told me that years later his mother showed up at his door, his real mother. And you don't want to know the things that he said he was about to do to her because of what he has done to him. So I hope he didn't die in that bitterness state. So people make the choice to reject Jesus all the days of their lives or accept him as Savior. People can put a fist at God and say, I don't want nothing to do with you. Folks, that is a choice that people make. We cannot make choices for other people. I cannot make choices for you. You cannot make choices for me. I make my own choices. You make your own choices. So letter A, assure accountability. Luca says in verse 31, Because he had appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man in whom he had ordained. So folks, we are living in a society on which become more anti-God in anti-church, in anti-righteousness. Brother, Brother Rosario said to me, we live in a very dangerous, concerning times. He said, we have more people running out of church than people coming to church. Churches are losing more people than actually getting more people in. Some churches do a little better than others, but they're all in that boat. I said, I'm, I'm telling you from a man that goes all over the place every day, every week. And that's a, a sobering thing to think about. So, uh, our society, uh, so society in which, uh, which we, uh, we see much hate, evil, coldness, and callousness towards one another. A society in which have no place for God. So look at, look at, uh, look at, at, at this, please. Our society took God out of the public arena. God was invited out of the public school. God was invited out of our school textbooks. God was invited out of our courtrooms. God has been invited out of the White House many times. God was invited out of the political arena. God even was invited out of many American homes today. So as a result, we see it. See the fruits? You see the fruits out there? That's what happened when you say, God, you're no, no longer welcome here. We have become a society in which there's no respect for parents. I'm talking about the average. No respect for elderly. No respect for our fellow men. 
We have become a society on which many live on excuses. They are all victims. We live in a victim mentality. Poor me. I was like this when I grew up, and I was like this. You know what? I grew, I grew up in a Portuguese home, okay? Love my mom and dad to this day. My mom had no problem spanking my behind when I needed. Oh, say, that's child abuse. Oh, take it how you want, okay? You know what? I love my mother. And I know many times she, I drove her crazy. And I don't know how she didn't went to a mental institution because of me. I used to put him, my palm on my hand and play with her all day long. And my dad was a smarter one. He would go, oh, <laughs> stop there. So, as I know, I was like, people say, you're old-fashioned. I'm not old-fashioned. I'm just open-minded. <laughs> so, so we have become a society of, on which many people live on excuses. Now, there's one thing that many people in our society have forgotten. May, uh, maybe their parents failed to teach them, or maybe they ignorantly don't care. But the cruel reality is that one day... Uh, 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 the truth is going to slap them in the face and probably too late for them. They will see that they are accountable to God, their creator. They will have to stand in front of God and get an account for their lives. One day they will see God face to face. There will be no more excuses, no more victim mentality, no more running away. There will be them alone with God as their judge. As much as people deny God, reject God, curse God, they were still accountable to God and accountable for their lives when life is over. So it is a matter of time, folks. Actually, for some, it will be sooner than they think. Now, when God's word began to break through, it sobers us to the fact that we are accountable to him. Folks, it don't matter what religion we may come. Let me put it this way. We had the song out there that says... Um, uh, that's, that's my prerogative. I do what I want to do. You know, don't go search this song. That's not a good song. But anyway, but it is out there anyway. And like, I do what I want. Yeah, you can do. You have the free will to do what you want to do. But keep in mind that one day you're going to have to answer God for the things that you did. And if you're not saved, you will be judged for those things. There will be no excuses. Daniel Webster once asked, what is the greatest thought that can occupy the, the, the man's mind? And after slight hesitation, he responded, the greatest thought that can occupy a man's mind is, is accountability to God. He has to give an account to his creator for the way he lived on planet Earth. Let it be. How soon appointment. People think, I'm going to have a long life. I'm going to live until I'm 200 years old. And look what it says. Don't, it don't matter how long you live. Hebrews 9.27 says, And it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Do you realize that for everything is just a matter of time? You say, really? Yeah. Let's say you plan a vacation next year. You, you plan the place you're going to go. Let's say you go to Disney World. All right, okay, you go to Disney World. You buy the tickets for every park. You, you, you plan the, the meals. You, plan the, you get the hotel. You plan the flight. You got everything to detail. But it seems like so far away. One year later, it's like, you come what comes so close to that you already forgot about some things. But you know what? It's just a matter of time. Before you know, the day of departure is there. 
So is life. It's just a matter of time when we stand in front of our God. And everything already passed by. And what matters is that day. And you know what? For many, it will be a day of reckoning. I'm not trying to scare you this morning. I'm, I'm just quoting what the Bible talks about. It is, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Folks, we may be well prepared for life, but are we prepared to die? Our families, our jobs, our, 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 our social standing, our finances, all may be all in good order. We can say life is good. I have everything in order. But the thing is, are you prepared to meet God? Look what it says in Amos chapter 4, verse 12. It says, prepare to meet thy God. The Bible says literally we are to be prepared to meet our maker. Because we don't know the day of departure. It can be today. It can be tomorrow. It can be five years from now. We just don't know. We just don't know. The question is, to you and me this morning, if you were to drop that, that's the most, I think that's the most important thing. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? That's the most important question. Right. It's better than having two or three or four or five million dollars in the bank. You say, oh, I wish I had that kind of money. All my problems won't go away. No, it won't. No, it won't. And as long as you live in this world, there will be problems and tribulations. There's all kinds of things. It just makes life easy, let me put it this way, in the financial aspect. But it doesn't mean how many people have tons of that stuff and their lives are miserable. Read about their lives. In the end, when you finish reading, you go, I just like where I am. <laughs> I like where I am. So, there is a movement out there that teaches that everybody is good and God accepts everyone to heaven just as we are. As long as you are sincere, you will go to heaven. We all, we all, I like the person yesterday that was here. Oh, we all believe in a high power. We all believe in God. Which God is that one? We're all going to heaven. And really? No, if you don't believe in the God of the Bible, you're not making it. You're not going to make it there. So Paul standing Mars Hill, and guess who he's talking to? The intellectual ones. The ones that make a mockery of him. So number two, you see, God's word declares an incredible reality. God's word always gets personal. We don't mind sermons to condemn David or Peter or Judas. We don't mind those, those sermons. Secretly, some of us even hope that those sinners get what they deserve. But when God's finger points at us, that's a different story. He's not no more about the person behind us, the person in front of us. It's always me or God. It's much different. So, number one, or letter A, no one is exempt. No one is exempt. Paul gazes at the eyes of those religious intellectuals in Mars Hill, and he declares his words. Yesterday, I was gazing at that lady's face, and I was thankful when she took her sunglasses out two dark sunglasses that she had on, when she put, look at my eyes, now it's different. Now I can see. Because when you look at people's eyes, you can read their souls. She needed to hear. And I told her straight up, your God is different than my God. The God of the Bible is different than your God. No one is exempt. Luke says here in verse 31, Wherefore, he had given assurance to all men that he had raised him from the dead. Folks, the reality it is no person is exempt from his appointment with God. Earthly power will never win no favors. Earthly riches will never uh, bribe your escape 
to meet God. Our social graces and popularity will be worthless as you stand alone before God. God, people convince themselves that a loving God will never send anyone to hell. Actually, we have a, a movement out there that they don't even use those words. It's always positive talking. You know, you have churches out there, it's always positive preaching. Oh, these people come in, they don't want to hear that. They want to they be encouraged. So we're going to give them an encouraging message so they can go out there. Listen, there is a point in time for everything. You know, there is a point that we can preach encouraging messages, but there's also a point on which we have to tell the truth. And people need to know the truth. So but this movement is out there. There are preachers out there. They never mention those words. They never say, you a sinner. They never say, you need a Savior. They never say those things. They're all about positive, positive, positive. I think if I tell you that you need a Savior, I think I'm being positive. If I tell you there is a hell that you don't want to go to, I think I'm being positive. I think it's a positive thing. I am, I am warning you that you don't want to go there. That's not a place you want to go. So the Bible clearly teaches that it is a place called hell on which those who reject people, uh, Jesus, right, they, they will go to. And let me tell you, folks, I said this, this thing. Hell is a place full of people with great intentions. Yeah, they did great things for humanity. And you say, Pastor, you're telling me these people, they did all these great things, they all end up going to hell? I'm not God. I'm not a judge. But if they never put, uh, accept Jesus as their personal Savior, according to the Bible, that's where they are. Let it be no one will escape. The incredible reality is no matter who we are and what we have done, whatever saved or lost, we will meet God. People can deny God as much as they want, curse Him, ignore Him, talk bad about Him. People can run from church as much as they want to run, but in reality, they will meet God. The reality is all of us will meet our Maker. When I, when I was in Florida on vacation the last time, uh, we walked inside of a restaurant. There was a man that walked in the opposite direction of me, and I do pay attention uh, especially uh, being in strange places, I'm very aware, uh, and uh, I'm very, and I'm so aware. I don't know. I'm not trying to be paranoid. It's, it's not me. Even if I sit in a restaurant, I sit in a place I, where I can watch the doors. I said, Pastor, are you uh, paranoid? No, I just, I always sit towards watching the door. I don't know why. It's something that I've always been aware for the longest time. It's like if I go, I was always make sure that I'm in a place on which I can defend whoever is around me. Now, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not a rebel or any superhero, but it's just me. <laughs> okay? So, but I was there, and, uh, and this guy walked by me in the opposite direction of me. And as I look at him, my eyes caught his T-shirt. And the words of written on the T-shirt was this. Listen, listen they never forgot God is a fool. That was in his t-shirt. Folks, I think the biggest fool was that man that was walking around with that t-shirt. And those of you who agree with that, to be honest with you, it caught my eyes. I mean, he was just there, that big word right in his chest. So number one, we see uh, no one will escape the lost. Number one, the lost will, not es will be very sad that day. The Bible says in Luke 13, 24, it says, Strive to enter in the straight gate, for many 
For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter and shall not be able. Whether one, uh, Luke actually 13, uh, 25 says, uh, when once the master of the house is risen up and had shut the door and began to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not. Hence ye are. You see, those who don't belong to Jesus have no place in heaven. I'm a good person. I deserve heaven. The Bible says there's no one good, no not one. We compare our goodness to each other. We don't dare compare our goodness to God. When we talk about God, oh yeah, God, yeah, you know. We don't compare our goodness, but we compare our goodness to others. Oh, I'm glad I'm not. A, even, even the Pharisees said that. I'm glad I'm not like this man right there behind me. And the other one said, Jesus, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. And Jesus asked the question, who was justified? You see, we see the lost, no, we see the saved. For those who are saved, it will be a glad day. So for those who are lost, that day of departure will be a sad day. But for those who are saved, it will be a glad day. Matthew 25, 23 says, And his Lord said unto him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful of a few things. I will make thee rule of many things. Enter thou in the joy of the Lord. He, uh, Psalm uh, 116, verse 15 says, Precious is in the sight of the Lord the dead of his saints. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather that to be absent of, uh, from the body and to be present with the Lord. So number three, God's word declares an impotent rebellious. It amazes me when a person says he is an atheist. And it amazes me even more in their reaction when I tell them atheist is a religion. They say, I'm not religious. I tell you what, we were out witnessing or, or putting information on people's doors, and this guy was in his trunk, and I tried to give him the flyer, uh, and I, he said to me, oh, I don't want this, I'm an atheist. And when I said, I was, so you were a religious man, and he almost knocked his head on the back of his trunk because he got so, so disturbed because I said that. He goes, I'm not religious. I said, yeah, yes, you are. Atheism, that's your religion. I don't believe in no God. I said, yeah, you believe in the God of atheism. He was not getting what I was saying. But let me tell you, was he disturbed with that? Sometimes, you know, we have to go where they are and just, you know, tease them where they are. So they get, you have a sense of reality in their mind. So let A, God had revealed himself clearly. Go to Romans chapter 1. Let's go to verse 18. God had revealed. So why, you know, we're going to get into this, but why people say, I mean, I don't believe in God. Well, God had revealed himself clearly to people. Look what it says in Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which uh, may, uh, may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things on, uh, of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even the internal power and Godhead, so they are without an excuse. So, what is it? People say, I'm an atheist. And God says, with this creation, He says, I'm real. But they go, oh, I, I'm real. It's like me. Like I'd say, you know what? 
It's like me. I'm here. And you walk in the door, so I don't believe that you exist. And I say, hey, I'm here. You know, I, I don't see you. I don't believe you exist. You see, that's exactly what these people are doing. Their rebellious heart refused to see the truth that God say to you and me, I created all so you can enjoy it. So God revealed himself clearly in his creation that he is real. Let it be. Man has rejected consciously. Acts 17.32 says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So when the truth was given to them, goes what they did. They made mockery of Paul. Ever happened to you? I'll tell you what. How you feel when you have six or seven, or seven people making mockery of you and you're the only one? I haven't met. Six or seven guys laughing and mocking and scorning you because you're a Christian and because you're standing for God. You know what? Here's one thing that I always put in my mind. I'm never alone. God is with me. Right. You know what? You go right to where it hurts, the heart. You search that heart and you try them because that's what they need. Never be afraid. Don't be afraid. There might be a multitude. Don't be afraid. Fear causes us to shut down and walk away or, or, or get petrified because what man's going to do. But God, the Lord says, don't be afraid of what man can do to you. So man has rejected constantly. When a person says, I'm an atheist, when a person rejects the gift of salvation, they make a conscience decision to do that. They do that for themselves. In the second letter, Peter is admonishing Christians to be mindful to the words they made here, uh, they have heard before, and hold them dear, dearly. Paul, actually, Peter says this way in 2 Peter 3 3, knowing this first, that they shall come in the last days scoffers. So don't be surprised of this kind of people being around. What you have embraces and as truth is going to go, come on the attack, you will find yourself being ridiculed, being scoffed, being laughed, being rejected. Why? Because you carry the truth. See, you want to know how you know you're a Christian? When you open your mouth and people make mockery of you. Rejoice on that. You say, oh, Lord, I'm a Christian. They make mockery of me just because of who I am. Second Peter 3, 3 says, walking after their own lusts. It's not that they don't believe there is a God. Deep in their minds and hearts, they know there is a God. Their rebellious heart refuses to see the reality of truth. So the key is, is not, what, uh, not that men does not believe that God exists, is that they, they, not they, 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 don't, they believe that the Bible is a host. Uh, uh, what, they, what they want is their sinful heart, is their rebellious heart that refuses to believe. Number four, and last point, God's word declares an, in, an impending removal. Get this, God told Noah to build an ark because he was going to destroy the world with water because of the wickedness that had come before him. Folks, Class, this morning, God did not flood an area. He flooded the whole world. This notion out there, you might read somewhere, oh, God just flooded that area. No, he flooded the whole world. Read. It's there. It says, Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, 
And that every imagination of the thoughts of, the, of his heart was only, look what it says, evil continually. So God look at the earth. People say, oh, God doesn't know what's going on in the earth. Yes, he knows. Right. And he said, God look at the earth. And what he saw in man's heart was continually evil. And God said, I'm done. So Noah was introduced to preach on sin, righteousness, and judgment to come while he built the ark. But before he ever started, God has set the timeline of his grace. Look what it says, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh. Yet as they shall be a hundred and twenty years. Or, uh, years. You see, people used to live many years before that. God cut it down here. And now if you go to the book of Psalm, God cut it, God cut it down to 70. So if you live past 70, you're living in the uh, blessed years or, or grace years, however you want to put it. So Noah would faithfully preach and build. That's what Noah did. He worked and he preached. Something like me. <laughs> he worked and he preached. He worked and he preached for how long? <laughs> oh, I kind of like Noah now. Noah, are you my buddy? <laughs> and for 120 years, 120 years working and preaching. I only did five. Oh, goodness. I have a long way to go. You got to put up with me for another one, 115 years. Okay, so well, can you imagine us 115 years from now here? <laughs> and for 115, uh, 20 years, uh, man laughed and mocked the message that came from the mouth of Noah. But when time was expired, get this, God, not Noah, shut the door of the ark. Not Noah. No one didn't say, okay, I'm done with you. I'm going to get my ark out of here. No. It was God that shut the door. God bring the flood and God kill all. They say, wow, well, kind of, this is a brutal God. No, no. It's a God of justice. Time ran out. Let me tell you this. This church age is coming to an end. We live in an age of grace, but let me tell you, it will come to an end. Will be a day that what God will say, it's enough. It's done. God's patience and God's timeline will come, will come to a point. So, what we see here. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'll go back here a little bit. I'm almost done. So, what happens here? Why does people in that time did not listen to the message that came from the mouth of Noah? Actually, nobody listened to him. Can you imagine preaching for 120 years and not a conver convert, only his family? Nobody believed him. We, we, sometimes we get a little discouraged today. This guy, 120 years. But let me tell you, why people did not believe in God then, why people refuse to believe in God today? You say, well, they don't know about God. Listen, nature reveals a creator. Nature reveals a creator. We literally have the gospel going on throughout the world. Let me tell you, every single day the gospel is preached in this country. Why people don't believe? I mean, the preachers are preaching. God's people are going out. I mean, information being put in on doors. I mean, it's going out constantly. Why people don't believe? It's very simple. A rebellious heart. They refuse to believe the simple gospel of salvation. They don't want to. They want to do what they want to do. They don't want to be accountable to nobody. Not even to God. And amazing, look what it says. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, they, some mocked him. They made fun of him. 
Can you imagine the, the laughing and, and, and the mockery that Paul experienced that day? Get this, how many messages are preached and people don't accept? Now, Christians, don't be discouraged. I'll say, well, what's the use? Don't give up. Paul didn't give up that day. He did not give up. Noah didn't give up. And we won't give up. What about if you preach for 120 years and say, I only have five people in here. No, same. how many people? Three sons, three daughters-in-laws, and a wife and him. 120 years later, the church didn't grow. You see that? He didn't give up. The gospel must go out and Jesus must be proclaimed. Get this. They will die with no excuse. Folks, why do we have laws in place? Why do we have law enforcement in place these days? Because, listen to this, of the rebellious of man's heart. If people, listen to this. I'm going to close pretty soon with this. If people, who was I? If people live right, speak right, behave right, and do right, we really don't need law enforcement. Do we? If we obey the laws, live by the laws, and do all these things right, we don't need policemen. We don't need anybody. And you know why we have laws and law enforcement? Because of the rebellious of man's heart. The speed limit in the highway is 65. I can do 70. They won't stop me. And if the police stops you, I don't believe that policeman stopped me for five miles off the speed limit. You're breaking the law. That's the reality, isn't it? Even if you go 71, I mean 66 miles, it's still breaking the law. When they let you pass, doing you know, 10 miles more, it is grace. The law enforcement just letting you go, but they can't stop you. Don't we talk that way? I conclude with this, folks. As much as people deny the existence of God, deep in their hearts they know there is a God and they are accountable to Him. People know why, when they do right and when they do wrong. You know why? Because God has written, listen to this, in every human heart is law. His law is written in every human heart. That's why we know what's right and what is wrong. Why people that don't believe in God knows that lying is not right. And they actually know when they're lying. Why is that? Because it's written in their heart. Why do we live in rebellion against God? Why do we reject the free gift of salvation? Why do we deny the existence of God? It's because of our rebellious heart. Look at what Ezekiel says this as my last verse. Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 3 says, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel. To look at what it says, to a rebellious nation that had rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed me, against me, even unto this very day. Isn't that our world? Don't be discouraged today. We are the children of the living God. We have heaven as our home. Don't be discouraged. Keep giving the gospel. Keep living for Jesus. Keep standing up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy, for your goodness, for the blessing of being in your house today. And thank